0: Warning, the following podcast may contain material that is inappropriate for listeners that are under the age of 18, are easily offended, or get annoyed listening to the rantings of holier-than-thou-know-it-alls that are anything but. And so it is that within mere hours of uploading the previous show, here we are once again for Anime World Order. This is show number 41. I am your host, Daryl Surratt, with my more different hosts. Hey, this is Gerald Rathgold.
1: I'm Clarissa.
0: Each week here at Anime World Order, we review anime, manga, talk about the news, and complain about lots of things. And this week is no exception. Except for the fact that we're recording a little bit early, because as we record, tomorrow
2: is uh, just another day for us, I suppose.
0: But for most people, it's Thanksgiving. Yeah, everyone else, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, and trying desperately to get $100 Xbox 360s off of Amazon. (laughs) 1,000 only out of 2 million people.
1: Except it's not going to happen, because we're going to get beat at by 1,000 people that only want to sell them on eBay.
0: Pretty much
1: i hate people
0: i also hate people that's why we're here at the anime world order yes. if you hate people you can come to our website <laughs> at www.animeworldorder.com you can see all our previous shows we've got a review index if you want to hear our opinions on our particular show god this crap's been going on for nearly a year we haven't gotten any feedback yet regarding what we might do for the one year anniversary Largely because I don't think anyone has finished listening to the show.
1: Probably not.
0: Probably not.
1: I say we quit for our one-year anniversary. (laughs) Why have not we stopped this nonsense already? There's
0: too much things we have to say still.
1: I mean, obviously we're terrible, and I mean, we're Americans, which means that...
0: Yes, we're not (laughs) as (laughs) good as the Irish ones can be. No. Gerald's not an American, for the record, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, no, he isn't. And also, for the record, we are not mispronouncing the word manga. No. We're mispronouncing the word anime. It's supposed to be anime. Yeah. (laughs) But you do not say the word as manga. I'm sorry. No No matter how much ads they do where they can't say their own name right. Yeah, we're going to have to bring that goddamn sound effect back. MANGA! Anyway.
3: (laughs) MANGA!
0: How high-class British you are. If you want to leave us some feedback... You want to tell us what we should do for our one year anniversary or tell us what you thought about this show or any previous shows? Send us email at animeworldorder at gmail.com. You can also call us up, leave us a voicemail message. Our number is 206 666 4AWO. Or if you don't feel like making that long distance call, maybe you don't live in the US, maybe you don't have a cell phone. If you've got a microphone in your computer, You can just click on the send us an audio button and what that'll do is it'll pop up a little window and you can record mp3 feedback that will be emailed directly to us. Or you could even record an mp3 yourself and email that to us if you are so technically inclined. Anyway, this week, what do we got in store for everybody?
2: Well, I'm going to take a look at a rather twisted and weird, sick, perverse little manga series. Hello Kitty? <laughs> yes, Hello Kitty.
1: Woohoo! Make sure to talk about the episode where Hello Kitty dies.
2: Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to be taking a look at Voyeur and Voyeurs, Inc. by Hideo Yamamoto.
0: Hideo Yamamoto, for those who may remember, all the way back in show number 10, he did the manga Homunculus, which Clarissa reviewed, and most people might know him as being the guy who wrote the original manga for Each of the Killer, yep. not to steal Gerald's Thunder or anything, because I'm sure you would have mentioned that. What do you got, Clarissa?
1: Well, I'm giving everybody a break from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure because I know how hard it is for brains to accommodate that level of bizarre gayness. So this week I'm going to be talking about one of the Studio Ghibli movies, Omoide Poroporo, or Only Yesterday.
0: One of my favorites, actually. And I'd like to thank Eeper from the yes. Eeper's Choice Podcast yes. for donating yes. those DVDs to us. He is also from. Ireland, so we don't hate all Irish people. No. We just yeah. hate Garth Ennis, really. He doesn't go diddly-dee-potatoes anything else, so... Yeah, you heard me,
2: you Irish people.
0: Racism. <laughs> and I am going to be reviewing a show that a lot of people wrote in and requested we review. It's a 2004 series by Studio Gonzo.
1: Uh-oh.
0: Uh-oh. Yeah, it's... Gonkutsuo, the Count of Monte Cristo Woohoo! So, what do we got in the emails? We've actually been somewhat good as far as answering emails as of late
1: Unpossible!
0: Only 40 unread messages (laughs) (laughs) So this one is from Nathan, his subject is Well, if this gets read on the show, I'm an internet celebrity Well, consider yourself an internet celebrity, Nathan He writes, hello guys First, I would like to say that I'm a 16-year-old male And I really enjoy your show most likely to your horror but it could be worse i could be an 11 year old girl Yowie finet hey well 11 year old girls probably shouldn't be looking at that stuff for legal purposes right yeah i've left you guys a review on the itunes music store which is where i download you from first off daryl your insight and just cool voice are great contributions to the show gerald your love of giant robots brings a tear to this mech lover and Clarissa, you bring a great woman's perspective to the show, even if that means I have to deal with Yowie reviews. Don't worry, I won't discriminate against you, like all women I anonymously know via the internet. I just imagine you with 44 double D's and a natural love of skimpy outfits. It's true.
1: It's like he knows me. Think he must be stalking me.
0: I gotta ask you guys your opinion on Fooly Cooly. One of your episodes, you seem to discriminate against it and think it's... Only a way for Gainax to gain cash, but in show number 35 with your interview with Mark Handler, you guys seem to like it. So what's your overall view? I love the show personally and find myself always looking for fanfics every two months or so just because it had such a big impact on me. must apologize for not being old enough to have seen Get a Robo hmm. and not having the income to buy it. Any ideas on how to see it? You can buy DVDs at the store. I may only be 16, and a construct of the American licensing of anime, but you guys are enlightening me to bigger, if older, uglier things. See you later, guys. Reply at your own risk. Alright, so, Fooly Cooly, what do you think? I
1: like it. I didn't like care it. for it. Gerald hates it because he's bitter. And angry. And that's hates tr- everything.
2: That's partially true.
1: Yes.
0: I'm sort of divided on fully Cooly. I like it, I just don't like it enough to pay $90 for it. Which is how much Sync Point was charging for the DVDs.
1: That's a terrible release, and I also do not own it for that reason.
0: Yeah, the Ultimate Edition is coming out within the next month or so. I yeah. might pick that up if the price is right. Mm. But for the most part, a lot of people really like Fuli Coolie. I can watch it maybe one or two episodes at a time. Usually I watch things straight through, but for things like XL Saga, really spastic manic shows such as Maybe Child's Toy, Kodomino mocha, mm-hmm. or Kodacha, that sort of show. Fooly Cooly is one of those. I can maybe watch maybe two episodes, and then I think, gotta take a little break.
2: Now, I, I actually that, yeah. I actually marathoned that show, believe it or not. I watched every episode in one sitting.
0: Interesting. I hear that a lot of people initially were down on the sequel to Gunbuster, Diebuster, because it was a lot like Fulikuli Cooly, and... I was kind of the same way. I didn't watch past maybe the first episode. I keep hearing, though, a lot of people saying that it's really good once you get yeah, that's past yeah, that. Yeah, what I've been i am um, hearing,
1: is that it's actually really excellent.
2: I actually need to watch a bit more of it, because the first episode of the original Gunbuster
0: was totally different from the rest
2: of it. Yeah. It was kind of lame, and it was kind of almost purposeful in that. So I was really disappointed when I saw how much foodie-cootie-like it was. But uh, yeah, I need to check out more of it. That was always my intention, really.
0: One of those things on the to-do list. Other emails, what do we got?
2: We've got one by Adam. Thanks for the great interview, Gerald. Your interview with Michiko Ito was excellent. There were a few audio problems, but I was willing to live with it. I see you fixed that now. The best was when she told her brother about thanking the Antenna for bringing Gundam. I wanted to make a comment about the most recent episode. You were discussing Ranma Half Superfans. Well, I would explain most of it simply because of the time it was released. Back in the day, I was buying, like, two episodes of Ranma Half on VHS for, what, 29 a pop? People don't want to look like fools for spending their money, so they tend to defend their purchases. I liked Ranma Half, but it was also one of the few things I had available. I didn't know of any tape trading clubs at the time, so I only saw what I bought. Writing Bean, Lupin, Ranma, Golgo 13, I just watched them over and over. I just made a comment to my wife last night. Remember when I would go nuts over finding animated at a video store, or going to one of the out-of-the-way comic book shops that stocked some anime. Now I'm flipping the channels and DBZ and Naruto are on during primetime. Now we can watch what we want, when we want to. I know you're not a video game show, but I just wanted to see if you do about this. There is this game called Jump Superstars for the Nintendo DS. It's a fighting game based around manga that appears in Shonen Jump. Manga.
0: Ooh. More like Ronma Half. <laughs> Ooh. Ranma One Half.
2: There is a new version coming out this month with even more characters, and it looks very interesting. Thanks for the time and hard work you put into the show. Adam.
0: Have any of you guys played Jump Superstars?
1: I have some friends that had gotten copies of it, so I've seen a little bit of it, but I don't actually own it myself.
0: They actually sell it at Best Buy now. Yeah,
1: yeah it's pretty crazy. And I
2: don't think that they could ever sell that, like, licensed in America, just because the licensing rights for all the characters would be kin to Super Robot Wars, I imagine.
1: Well, I actually thought that it would be probably easier, because in Super Robot Wars, a lot of those properties are owned by different companies.
0: Whereas it's all Shonen Jump. Yeah, Yeah, it's
1: all one company. It would be expensive, I'm sure, but...
2: Aren't a lot of those properties already owned in America by
0: different companies, though? Mm. Dragon Ball Z and... Isn't any 4Kids things? See, I...
1: Well, One Piece...
0: Oh, and Yu-Gi-Oh! also is in there, right? Yeah, so. I think it's I
2: think it's pretty badly spread out.
1: So. Yeah, I guess maybe on the, the American companies. Yeah. I don't know how negotiations would have to work for that.
0: It's probably why we didn't get D.O.N., the Dragon Ball One Piece Naruto game.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe.
0: Anyway, regarding the other stuff they asked about.
2: Yeah, Ranma Half and things like that. You know, I kind of understand the idea of spending a lot of money on something and then mm. wanting to defend it. I don't agree with it.
0: I actually sometimes wonder about that. I think that happens a lot more than we'd give it credit for. How much of the
1: old school things that we like do we just like because we saw them early on or because they were really hard to get and so we're like, damn it, this is awesome. But if it came out now, would we really think it was that good? I guess it depends. If Kimagori Orange Road came out now... Would people like it, or would they just say, oh, it's a piece of crap? It's
0: just another show. That's yeah. hard to say. Yeah. I yeah. like to think that when I do my reviews, I have enough insight to be able to say, mm. I like this as a kid. Yeah, I don't really think it is anything special now. But everyone's got that nostalgia yeah they got some sort of mm-hmm. sentimental value they put on certain things just because they see it first mm. even last week I mentioned Dagger of Kamui was one of the first movies I saw
1: right but I
0: said I still liked it yeah which is totally not the case for so many things like when I go back and I watch Thundercats <laughs> What was I thinking as a kid to be watching this crappy show?
1: That happened when I went back and watched G.I. Joe again. With G.I.
0: Joe, it was entertaining me in a totally different way than it entertained me as a kid.
1: That's true. I think there's kind of an ironic sort of entertainment that you get from it.
2: I can sort of see that because, I mean, I honestly love the original Bubblegum Crisis. Mm. And I know that fans who were around long before Bubblegum Crisis came out We're not impressed by that show when it came out. Uh, Yeah, I
0: gotta admit, Bubblegum Crisis is something I personally love, but I can't say that it's truly that good, (laughs) really. I wouldn't show it to someone who is a brand new anime fan, oh, you have to see the original Bubblegum Crisis. It's one of those sentimental value. We
2: will review it, and if I review it, I will give it a positive review, but it would be with a grain of salt, because... Mm -hmm. That's another one of those generational things. There's some shows that kids are really into now where I just don't really see the draw of all of it. Mm.
1: It's so hard with any of that to really... I mean, you can't be objective.
0: You can try, at least. You
1: can try, but there's always going to be some amount of bias, and it's really hard sometimes to tell.
0: I figure as long as you're trying actively to eliminate bias, as long as you're aware, yes, there's bias, but I'll try and minimize it, that's about as good as you can hope to get. Oh yeah,
2: That's and, I mean what? Yeah, really I mean look the at best those. You have to do. Look at some of those older guys who had to pay a three hundred dollar box set of an LD that all they had to God, go by yeah. was a title and a tiny thumbnail picture in a magazine.
0: By God, you went to that much trouble. You're gonna like. You're
1: gonna <laughs> like what? Yeah, this is the best show ever. Don't tell me any different. Yeah, you know, when
2: you get that DVD set in and it's Diapolon, <laughs> you're gonna say, you know, that's the best fucking show ever, man. Yeah, <laughs> guy in a football
0: suit. Being stabbed out of the skull. M.D. Geist guy in a football suit. Brilliant!
1: did anybody really pay like $300 for an LD of Diapolon? I hope not.
0: Wasn't it like a TV show or was it just a movie? Diapolon, I think it was a series that was edited down to a movie.
2: Oh, so it was that popular. Well, So there must have been an L- a $300 LD box set of it released at some point. I'm just going to believe that some American <laughs> fan has got that sitting there in the back of his... <laughs> garage. Still <laughs> I want to see the show.
0: diehard Odin fanatic. Oh God. The guy who bought into all that hype
3: oh, for God. Odin. Or,
0: or the humanoid. Because it's like <laughs> the shit out of the humanoid oh, too. Man, the back humanoid. in the day and animage.
2: I have got in front of me right now a anime magazine from 1986. It has got on the back cover a big splash page and inside it a whole bunch of articles about Garaga. I bet neither <laughs> of you Okay, maybe one of you have Uh, seen... I know about Garga.
0: (laughs) Fuck that.
2: I've seen Garga. Garga was such shit. Such a garbage show. You own Garga on DVD. (laughs) I paid like three (laughs) bucks for it, and it is so friggin' bad.
0: Three dollars is still too much to pay. (laughs) No, three dollars, I'll buy just about anything. Pretty
2: much. (laughs) I mean, it's got Planet of the Apes crap, and again, this was another one that was hyped the shit out of, and Mm. someone paid for
0: that. Someone imported that.
1: Yeah, or like the Ninja Gaiden O.A.V. Somebody
0: recently did a DVD quality digi sub of that.
1: Oh, really?
0: <laughs> Somebody must have been super psyched up about it, <laughs> thinking, oh, yeah, Ninja Gaiden. You yeah, know that Xbox. the video
1: game, yeah, is out. The new Xbox one. Oh, man.
0: Somebody got a DVD of Ninja Gaiden OIV. <laughs> Suck
2: it. Yeah. So I think that there's some truth to what he's saying. Mm-hmm. People will defend these
0: things yeah. to their last. Any other points in there that you wanted to address?
2: Did skip over something he said. He said the Mark Handler interview was also exceptional. You had some great questions there, too, except Daryl was stomping on you every chance he got. But I didn't want to mention that.
0: <laughs> on the subject Wire. of the Mark Handler interview, he did write in to say there was a slight correction necessary for the interview. He's kind of surprised nobody wrote in to call him out on the inaccuracy. He stated that Voltron was a Studio Piero. Show It is, in fact, a Toei show. Studio Piero created Bismarck, which they released as Saber Rider. I think he made the correction, and the correction got edited out, or something weird.
2: <laughs> and on that subject, I'm sure all of you listening to this already know this, because this has been going on for about two weeks, but Voltron is being shown on the American Cartoon Network channel.
1: Mm-hmm. At around 5.30 again. in the
0: morning, tick the Gigantor time slot. It's the last thing that Adult Swim shows. The second Voltron set is out now.
1: Yeah. When is Go Lion coming out?
2: Next year, February or so. I...
0: They gotta do Tecumon Blade first, and Tecumon Blade is so cheap. I know, it is I'm so gonna
1: have to get that, it's so cheap.
0: Something Aww. like 20 bucks for 13 episodes or something, yeah. that's retail. That's the perfect way to release yes, that exactly. show, too.
2: Yeah, really, I, it'd be criminal. I watched that show and I liked it, so I have to mm-hmm. buy it, because it's so cheap.
0: Going back to what Mark Handler wrote back to us, he said, Nice to read the comments and see the interest of your listeners, except for the guy who wants to kill me because he thinks I might have chosen the dub voice actors for Naruto. (laughs) Actually, all the choices were made by biz executives. He strongly pushed for Yuri Lowenthal as Sasuke and Stephanie Shea as Hinata, both of whom he thinks are great, and he was glad they were chosen. But fans should know that on virtually all productions, the final choices for voice actors for the major characters are made by executives of the production company. Choosing the lead actors is a major decision, and he has never seen them leave it up to lowly line producers, voice directors, or anyone below suit level. So
1: there you go. When you hate the English voice actors, it's all the executives' fault. But isn't that the story of the industry? The world. It's all the executives' fault. That's
2: really just so stupid to have... The person the furthest away from the production...
1: Yeah, I was about to say, since when do you want the business people choosing your talent?
2: I can imagine that the business director is the one that has the final say,
1: Hmm. because he's the
2: one that's putting the money up for it. But still... The voice director should be right there hammering it out, saying, this is the person that's the best. Put the person there. Well, I mean,
1: I understand that the business people are putting the money into it, but do they really know enough to be able to choose actors? I don't know.
2: That's why I'm saying that the voice director should be there.
1: Right.
0: Anyway, what else do we have in terms of feedback?
1: We got another email from Nick, who says, Hey guys, I was wondering why you guys don't learn Japanese. If you like anime that much, wouldn't it be worth it to learn the language? I know Clarissa knows a little bit of Japanese. Is the language really that hard to learn? I was just wondering, because I would also like to learn it, but I'd like to know if it's worth the time. Nick, P.S. I love the podcast. But I know
0: Japanese! I watch anime! (laughs) (laughs) tim eldred (laughs) left an awesome comment in an earlier episode he said something to the effect of any anime fan who doesn't know katakana i refuse to take seriously (laughs) (laughs) at this point i admit that i do not know a single character of katakana or hiragana or anything i don't know any japanese at all
1: i can't disagree with him that much because seriously hiragana and katakana take like a week to learn They're pretty easy. Kanji, I'll give people a break on, and all of the grammar and stuff. You have to be pretty hardcore, I think, to want to do that, because learning any new language is a pretty serious undertaking. But katakana, yeah, that's like a week to learn.
0: The thing is, is usage. What am I going to do with this knowledge? I don't really find myself running into a great deal of scenarios where I have to read katakana or hiragana. Mm. Mm -hmm. Such is the same as for why I haven't taken it upon myself to learn Japanese. All I would really be doing with Japanese knowledge is listening to cartoons.
1: But you and could read those Tetsu Ohara manga that you have that nobody will ever translate. But those I really are think that those
0: are those a are- better thing to read not knowing what's being said. <laughs> it's kind of like when you play oh and Don. you don't really need to know what's being said. And those are cutscenes. also mm.
2: absolutely impossible because Tetsu yeah. Ohara is a manly man, and the manliest way right. to write a manga is with the most friggin' complex kanji, kanji? you can pull out of your
1: ass. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. But yeah, I guess it's kind of like a lot of porn in that way. Like, It's really better if it's not translated at all.
2: And the You really part...
1: don't want to know what they're saying. And the worst
2: part about it is, and maybe Clarissa you can back me on this, is that the Japanese that's spoken in anime is really shitty Japanese. It's...
0: Right, you wouldn't walk around talking like that to anybody.
1: Right, yes. Unless you it's to just punch that it tends throat. to be really casual. And also because a lot of anime series and a lot of manga that are popular here, too, are also aimed at younger audiences. So right. the language can be a little more simple sometimes. So yeah, you usually wouldn't want to go run around. You know, if you were talking to people who were friends that you knew well, it probably wouldn't be such a big deal to talk in those ways because it is more casual. But if you were going to talk to people that you don't know, you wouldn't want to speak like that because you'd be pretty rude.
2: Basically what it comes down to is we're justifying our ignorance Mm -hmm. in learning Japanese, but it really does come down to that we just don't have, at least Daryl and I, don't have a lot of abilities to use it. To get to the point where we could actually understand an anime, you'd have to go beyond the polite anime, the Japanese that you learn first, Mm -hmm. and then to the casual, and to get into the Japanese class at the university that Clarissa and I went to, you basically have to stalk the teacher.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, as far as I go, I took All the Japanese classes that were offered at the university that I went to, which was four classes, two low-level classes, and two middle-level classes. There was only one professor who taught Japanese, and she taught at other schools in the area, not just our university. So she couldn't actually teach a full-time schedule at that school, which meant there were no advanced-level classes. There's no major or minor in Japanese at that school. So I got everything that I could out of that, but that really only got me through intermediate Japanese. And even at that, it was textbook Japanese with a focus on much more polite, proper Japanese, and I didn't get a whole lot of practice with casual Japanese, which is what you need a lot for anime and manga. So there's a lot of times that I get really confused. The thing is, is that in terms of reading Japanese, I'm pretty good, but it takes me a while. I'm slow. So the reason that I don't read a whole lot of manga and doujinshi and such in Japanese, and I tend to still read a lot of translations, is because it just takes me so long to read something in Japanese, and there's so many potential ways that I may not be able to understand it. Either the character may have a weird speech pattern, because they like to do that a lot, or there may be a dialect. Like, God forbid anybody speaks ben in anything that I want to look at, because I will have no idea what the hell they're saying.
0: I think that's really the objective, that the only benefit that I would really want from learning Japanese would be the ability to read manga that has not been licensed here. If I could go and read all that crazy 1970s stuff and understand it. But the thing is...
1: That's really the biggest reason now.
0: To become literate enough that I could pick up something and read it, would take several years yeah it does and you really you really have to live there in
2: my opinion or you really have to be forced to use either it.
0: live there or be in some sort of community where you can just immerse yourself where everyone around you is speaking in that mm-hmm. language mm-hmm. and you can try and yeah pick up or work your way through things if you don't have that it's very difficult yeah.
1: yeah I'm much better at reading or writing than I am at speaking and understanding listening to people because I live in the United States in an area that doesn't have much of a Japanese population at all, and I don't really know that many people who are native Japanese speakers that I can talk to around here, even on the phone or whatever, so I really have almost no opportunity to practice conversational skills. Sure, I listen to anime and stuff when I watch it, and occasionally I'll pick up Japanese instructional videos, like from the NHK or whatever, to practice some listening comprehension, but that's really hard to practice. And so it does get a little rough to work on it. As for, is it really that hard? I'm going to say that, okay, what I'm going to say is that it's not as hard as a lot of people think it is. Now, this is me talking and maybe... I'm better with languages than some people, I don't know. Maybe some people just have an easier time picking up languages than other people do. That's a possibility. But I didn't find it nearly as difficult as I thought it was going to be, as most people said. It's not terribly impossible, but it does take time. Especially if you're looking to get anywhere near fluent, it's going to take a while. There's so much vocabulary to learn. Most people don't think about how many words they use in English, or whatever their primary language is. But if you really stop to think about how many words you need to know in your primary language to function, that's how many words about that you would have to learn. And then kanji is kind of a pain in the ass. You have to learn a lot of that. So it does take time, and it's not easy, but it's not impossible. That's
0: probably why I never really took up any sort of exercise regime or learned any martial art, because there's no overnight instant success results. <laughs> and
1: yeah, yeah, I'm sure we'd all love to be in Neuromancer or Ghost in the Shell, so you can just plug in a chip that'll have that language capability coded into it, so you can instantly speak Japanese or whatever language you need to know.
0: Yeah, we're living it in the future, easier, what the hell? We should be able to do that.
1: Yeah, and where's my flying car? Come on.
0: I'm telling you, once the year 2000 hit and everyone realized (laughs) that all of science fiction to that point was a broken dream, (laughs) that's when people stopped caring about science. Yep. Yep. No colonies on the moon, no Jetson's lifestyle. Mm -hmm. missed out. Anyway, we got a voicemail here that is very important. It's from Albert, who also sent us a previous voicemail about Ryle Gaiden, which incidentally is about to get fan-subbed in the near future. So, maybe once that fan sub comes out, I'll play that one. But let's play this one for starters.
4: Hey, Daryl, Gerald, Clarissa, it's Albert. This is a comment towards your remark on the noir anime series that you made on the bonus episode for the Fall 2006 shows. Now, if I'm not mistaken, by the way you guys were talking about it, it sounded like you guys didn't really like the show. I only have one question to ask you guys How could you not like this show? This show has got everything you could ever want from a mafia syndicate series. It's got badass killing assassins, it's got Taiwanese mafias, Italian mafias, freaking more specifically Sicilian mafias, it's, it's got cults that, you know, you know, talk about this, you know, these killing uh, assassins since like the beginning of time. And it's like done and told in such a very precise and intricate manner that it's pretty hard to refuse not liking the show so my question is why do you guys not like the show please give me thorough clear and precise facts why you do not like this show that is if that's what you guys implied on the bonus episode so please give me a response to this
0: all right just to make things clear what are our thoughts on noir do we like noir or do we not like noir
2: I would rather hammer a nail into the wall with my forehead than watch Noir again.
0: (laughs) I think I would rather watch partial birth abortions set to the Benny Hill theme song, possibly a laugh track. (laughs) I'd get far more entertainment value out of that. Well, you do that anyway, uh, Daryl. That's true. Mm.
1: I don't feel quite as strongly about it as you guys do, but to me, the thing about Noir is that I didn't really like it that much either. I was really disappointed in that, because to me, Noir was it's one a, of good shows It had so much potential! Yes, exactly! Uh, noir had great potential. I loved the concept. I liked when they introduced the, two the main idea, characters. I the in the first
0: episode, she snaps that dude's yes. fucking neck with the yeah. time. Like, yes. this show is
1: the shit! Yes, the first episode or two, the concept, the main characters that they first introduced were so cool, and then the show just didn't live uh, up to it. Uh, as you start man, watching
0: it, it takes about ten episodes, it's like, Wait a second. Fuck, this show blows. Man,
2: yeah. I, in, in one episode, I think it was like the sixth episode or so, for like a bunch of episodes, it was nothing but flashback after flashback, and they fucking flashed back to something that happened five, five minutes-, minutes ago. Five
1: minutes ago. What the
2: fuck? And, I mean, what the hell is wrong with a show where they have all these guys that just stand there and get shot? Right,
0: constantly- it's one thing I can appreciate... Super assassin goes and kills an entire army of people with their supreme gun shooting ability. Yeah. But at least have the other people fire back. Something. Take yeah. cover or maybe have a reason like they got the drop on him and she shot them all really fast. Right. None of that is present within Noir. The gunfights are supposed to be cool, but they end up just being really lackluster and yeah. unconvincing. There's yeah. a scene, And
1: if your whole was- show is about killing people, you need to do the killing people well.
0: Yes. With style. There was one scene. They were the at Thailand a one? graveyard Damn, no. during a funeral or something like that and they were all generic mooks or yeah. disposable thugs. They were all just standing in line there and one of the girls comes up at the bottom of the stairs and she just draws her guns and opens fire. Okay, fine, but she opens fire on them for 30 seconds before it dawns on people that, hey, maybe they should react or take cover or run or possibly fire back. Yeah. And Man. I can appreciate not ever taking cover if you're Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando, because <laughs> that's a real-life documentary, but n- noir is supposed to be entertainment, and it just doesn't work. Oh, Chloe is a badass because she has fingernails and kills people, but it's not convincingly portrayed how she's able to close yeah. distance between people uh. to mm-hmm. get within stabbing range.
1: Yeah. I mean, th- the other thing- episode- it's
0: badly choreographed, and that's the main problem with it.
1: The thing is this, if you're going to have action scenes that are really over the top and crazy or that defy logic, that's fine.
0: Right, I love stylization. But
1: your show needs to fit that. And the thing was was that noir had kind of awkwardly done really ridiculous fight scenes in a show that set itself up as being really serious.
0: Really serious. Yeah. And uh, so no it's no like, irony whatsoever. Yeah, like, Not even irony.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can watch yeah. Fist of the North Star. There are ridiculous fight scenes in Fist of the North Star, and there are badly animated fight scenes in the television series because it's a TV series and their budget was crap. But Fist of the North Star is a ridiculous show all around.
0: And it knows it. It yeah.
1: does. It revels in that fact. I mean, they and don't you know, pretend to But Noir to be. is
0: really trying to tell you this deep story yeah. of these two women and their intertwined fates, and when yeah. open up this freaking pocket watch and play the loudest goddamn music uh. <laughs> ever and on the subject of the music music is by yuki kaidra yes and she does amazing work mm-hmm. to bad shows to mostly bad shows that's correct
2: dot yeah. hack and things like that
0: and the other problem is there's so much music recorded for noir but they barely use any yeah, of it in the, the actual show yeah they use the same show. what
1: two songs over and yeah. over two again. or
0: three tracks
2: they use a whole lot more music later on in the series. Like, yeah, I'm,
0: that's, that's That was what brought us up to even mentioning noir was actually talking about the music. But yeah, just B train in general, it, it's lost potential, and I'm gonna be talking more about B train is
1: bad. Lost they potential yeah. in a
0: minute, but B train for the most part, I don't think I like anything they've done. Like Mad Max was basically noir 2.0. Yeah. Yeah. It, some people say it's in the same universe. It was
1: also terrible.
0: Avenger wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. It's all the same show. <laughs> mm. I'm drawing a blank on other B-Train shows. But did they do
1: Final Fantasy Unlimited?
0: No, that was Gonzo. Yeah. Oh, I'll talk was... about that yeah. in a Shit. minute.
2: I didn't get to mention this either, but I mean, you mentioned this about the show about the girls and their intertwined fate. And at the end of the show, I, I did watch this whole show at the fucking club. I saw
0: the last episode. Well,
2: nothing is resolved between those girls.
0: The last Nothing. episode takes place in a church that the map was designed by John Romero because there's a lava pit underneath the church <laughs> and it should be cool. Like, oh, there's nuns with guns or whatever, but mm. it's just so weak. And the fact that there's no blood might have done something in that manner for Maybe. me, Maybe, because there's a lot of killing and a lot of people getting shot, mm. but they just fall. And a lot of times, it almost seems like they fire one bullet and five guys fall dead, like yeah. in Hot Shots Part do. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm expecting her to just take the bullets and throw the bullets at people. <laughs>
1: if you want a series, if you want to watch a series about an attractive chick that shoots a lot of people, I recommend watching Black Lagoon. Yeah. Because it's much better done. And Black Lagoon is totally all about being a ridiculous big-budget Hollywood-style extravaganza. It, it doesn't try it. to be yeah. deep. So, when Revy can charge through all of these situations and not get shot, when you have, go with it because it's silly Hollywood blow up. When they
2: have, when they the have like an eight year old kid that is holding a chain gun and an axe,
0: mm. then you know you're in a different
2: territory. But another right. thing it about it. It can be done yeah.
0: when you know it's like that. Oh, this can be awesome and over the top. But yeah. not if you're taking it like this is a serious thing this eight year old girl with the, her chain gun or axe.
2: One of my big arguments for. We talked about this before, about how the OAV market is dead. I'm convinced that if it were approached differently,
0: like six Noir could be a
2: six-episode yeah. awesome OAV, but it's 26
0: fucking episodes of kind nothing. Kind of like... And they made it up as they went along. You could tell because it's like, oh, we'll just say they have mysterious pasts and figure it out later. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, and they never do. Never do.
1: Okay. Yeah, Kind of like how you mentioned Dot hack and Dot hack was the same thing. Dot hack was a really good six-episode OAV series. Too bad it was a 26-episode television series.
2: Noir is like the poster child for this show. It's way too long. Mm-hmm. It should have been a more violent, more graphic, direct-to-video short show.
1: Right.
0: right. It's too bad because it really had me thinking that it was going to yeah. be a great show. I loved it at the beginning. fact that it wasn't actually hurts more than if it just sucked throughout.
1: Yeah. I, think, yeah, I think that makes us more enraged that we liked it at the beginning and then it failed us.
0: Yeah, I would agree there. Yeah, a lot of shows that have potential that fall apart and have just been burned on it too many times. And I'll talk all about that when I get to talking about Studio Gonzo in a minute. Anyway, <laughs> that's going to do it for... Uh, emails this week. I guess we'd better get to the news. There is no news. There's no news? Really?
2: At least nothing that I thought was worthy, worthy of talking about. Alright,
0: then we won't do one. We
2: did want to say one thing. We mentioned last week about the box sets for the Lupin series that Twilight Gemini, the cut edited version, was included with the box sets. And in order to tell if you have an edited
0: version... It's actually very easy.
2: It's a dub-only disk. So if you've got a dub-only disk, contact Funimation. I don't have the email right in front of me.
0: Yeah, we mentioned the email in show number episode, And they can send you the uncut disc. Actually, before we go on to the rest of the show, I'd just like to give a special thanks to John Nowak. He donated $50 to us. We haven't asked for donations or anything for months now, so thank you very much John for that. Awesome. And we also got a $10 donation from Popcorn Samurai. Thanks again for that. We're using it to... Pay for these things like the pop filter. And What's all up, that
2: popcorn jazz. samurai? You're too cheap. What the fuck is wrong with you, man? It's only ten bucks. What's wrong with you?
0: All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, irony. Anyway, on with the rest of the show. Or we'll be right back or something. <laughs> Some sort of closing bridge for the introduction.
3: So, my dad thinks I'm weird again Oh, why? We were getting my car ready to go And, you know, the CD turned on Oh, God, what was it? Uh, Hortier Yui You know, that opening song from Sister Princess (laughs) What happened? Well, I hit the next track to save the moment You know, hope for Zeppelin to bring back my manlyhood But, yeah What was it? Uh, it was material girl (laughs) why material girl leaping agents it was on there only you man only you Yeah, yeah anyway is it ready uh yeah all right let's let's record all right uh let's get all right hi this is victor and this is robert and we are the anime video game podcast where you won't get any news just comments on anime and video games Look us up on iTunes. Search under anime slash video game. Or get us on podcastpickle.com if you hate all things Mac, Apple, or Victor. Right. We done? Uh, Yeah. All right. I'm going to go uh, look at some kitty porn. But <laughs> Kitty porn? Isn't that <laughs> illegal? Uh, not if it's hentai. Yeah. <laughs> 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 huh. uh. Wow.
0: As we just mentioned in the introduction and as longtime listeners of the show know, none of us here at Anime World Order is particularly fond of Studio Gonzo. We said it in the fall 2006 bonus show. kind of alluded to it just now, but their productions almost uniformly display the same flaw. The first three or so episodes, those show the potential to be something pretty darn cool, but then everything falls apart around the fourth episode and it never really recovers from that. B-Train stuff is very much the same way, which is why we were so hard on noir just now. Although, they make very good
2: video game cutscenes, which is where they started. <laughs> and that's how they got their
0: start, <laughs> with like yeah. Macross cutscenes and Gundam game cutscenes. Uh-huh. All anime nowadays is digitally animated, digital animation, and Gonzo's one of the studios at the forefront of that. As such, their shows almost all look very slick, very well animated, for the first few episodes anyway then it, like I said, falls apart, gets pretty inconsistent, let's just say.
2: Like they had enough budget for a video game cutscene.
0: Right. I gotta say, Gonzo is definitely one of the most prolific anime studios working today. I think they must make at least five television series a year or something. Because of that, and all these shows just seeming like they're cool, but they end up not being, I become kind of sick and tired of just being burned over and over and over again to the point that One, I don't watch shows as they come out. I wait for them to end, and that's why I can't really be on the cutting edge of anime anymore. And two, if I see a show that's made by Gonzo, I kind of won't even begin to even start watching it. But of all the Gonzo properties, the three titles I continuously hear the most times is, hey, you got to watch this, Daryl, are Saikano, Last Exile, and what I'm going to talk about now, Gankutsuo. Not like I'm saying any of these shows are necessarily good, I'm just saying these are what people say, hey, I have to watch this. Sorry, Kaleido Star. no one seems to really tell me. Aww. They're not really a
2: Gonzo show, though. They're a show that Gonzo was contracted to do the animation.
0: Yeah, sort of like Pumpkin uh-huh. Scissors. Yeah. Aside from being Gonzo Productions, which have both been recommended to me, I noticed there was something in common with both Last Exile and Gon and that's that Mahiro Maeda worked on both of them. Mm. He's a guy who's done a lot of work for Gonzo over the years, often of kind of questionable quality. He did Blue Submarine Number 6, and he also did Final Fantasy Unlimited. it has got to be one of the shittiest things even Gonzo's ever made. But I think the most seen work of Mahiro Maeda would probably have to be both parts of the second renaissance from the Animatrix. That wasn't by Gonzo, though. If you don't remember the Animatrix too well, those are the ones detailing how the machines took over Earth and how they created the Matrix, I, I really that like. really like those. I like yeah. that one a lot. And his um, having done at least one thing that I liked, that means that Mahiro Maeda is one of Gonzo's better talents. Still a gamble though, but I'd say it's more cautious optimism. Anyway, on to the show that I'm supposed to be talking about, Gan Kutsuo. The full title of Gan Kutsuo is actually Gan Kutsuo, the Count of Monte Cristo. It's a 2004 anime adaptation of. The Count of Monte Cristo, which was an incredibly long novel from the 1800s, written by Alexandre Dumas, one of the most famous French authors of all time. If you're wondering why the name is Gonkutsuo, the word Gonkutsuo is the Japanese title for the novel, and the series actually uses both terms at different times due to a plot point.
1: It means the King of Caves. It doesn't means it? the
0: Lord of the Cave is how it's translated yeah. as in the English dub. I don't know. Dumas also wrote The Three Musketeers, uh-huh. as well as The Man in the Iron Mask, a bunch of other things like that. They actually make a reference to The Man in the Iron Mask once in Gankutsuo offhand. Mm. And while most people may not have necessarily read these things, they at least have basic ideas to what they're about. In the case of the Monte Cristo*, maybe it's because of that movie from 2002 with Guy Pearce in it. I actually like that movie, but truth be told, it really wasn't all that faithful to the book.
1: I don't think any of the adaptations have been. Not
0: really. As a rule, though, I think when you're talking adaptation anything i think it's a better idea not to read the book of something first before you see the movie (laughs) or the tv show of it because Mm. the the truth of the matter is is once you do that all that ends up going through your brain as you're watching the adaptation is you're looking for what was changed you're looking for what was taken out Mm. you start getting mad over things and that's what your brain is focusing on
1: and it doesn't
0: really give the show a fair shake on its own merits I, for instance, know people who think the Lord of the Rings movies are terrible because they're too different from the books and they took out Tom Bombadil and The Scouring of the Shire and therefore those movies suck. Personally, I think that's unreasonable. At I the agree. same time, I can understand there's a degree of acceptance which you say, okay, this is too different. In the case of The Counts of Monte Cristo, though, the book is really long. Like I said, it's something like 1100 pages. That's only about 100 pages shorter than War and Peace, which everyone knows that's one of the longest novels ever. Yeah. Seriously, I went to Project Gutenberg, I loaded up both novels in Microsoft Word and checked the page count. I was like, hmm. yep, these are some long-ass books.
1: My copy is um 1,461 pages. Okay. But it's a somewhat smaller-sized paperback, I so see. that may account for the disparity. The page count
0: I gave is 8.5 by 11 yeah. page count. My point of mentioning the length of the book is that even with 24 episodes, which is how long Gankutsuo is, some things just have to be altered, some things just have to be removed entirely for the sake of expediency. Mm -hmm. They just have to be. That's why I say always read the book last. It's just a limitation of any visual medium versus any printed medium. Right. Still, though, I'd say Gankutsuo is a very interesting case in the sense that you can argue that it's very faithful to the original source material, or that it's radically different, and you'd be right, both <laughs> times, depending mm-hmm. on your evaluation criteria. Mm-hmm. At its essence, the Countamone Cristo is a story about betrayal and revenge. And in that sense, Gon Kutsuo is quite faithful to the source material because the way they adapted the actual betrayal and the actual revenge is pretty much spot on. As far as that goes, it's very close. But difference-wise, that's pretty vast and pretty obvious from the very start. Whereas the original novel happened in the early 1800s, Gon this anime, takes place several millennia in the future. It's the mid-5000s as such. There's very, very advanced sci-fi technology, such as interstellar travel, instantaneous communications, and for one or two episodes where people were in armor... That was depicted as giant mecha, very reminiscent of the Gaimelofs from Escaflone. Incidentally, Mahira Maeda did the mecha designs for hmm <laughs> Connections. So the sci-fi milieu is obviously very different from the original story, but that's sort of superficial. Thematically speaking, it really doesn't matter when or where this all happens. It's sort of like how... Akira Kurosawa's Ron, which I just got the new Criterion Edition for. It's right in front of me. That's still a faithful adaptation of King Lear, even though Ron is all about feudal era Japan and samurai. Samurai, (laughs) don't want to mispronounce anything. And King Lear is set in (laughs) medieval England. Still, though, as a nod to the source material, the society depicted in Gankutsuo, it's part futuristic, part derived from French society circa the Napoleonic Wars, per the novel. Yes. And that combination makes for some interesting visuals. The show's trailer, I'll more on the trailer in a bit, it describes the series as a, quote, punk opera. And that's the other thing, which is very obvious from the start, the visuals. You can purchase Oligon Kutsu on DVD, courtesy of Genion, and I really have to say, I compared the episodes on DVD to the fansub copies that they released, and the difference is just night and day. It's not like the fansubs were badly encoded, or they were low quality or anything, but The amount of detail that's present in the DVD Mm -hmm. versus the fansubs is staggering. You definitely want to watch the official versions here because the fansubs don't do it justice. I said it last week during the Dagger Comedy Review. I said it during my Requiem from the Darkness Review. I'll probably say it several times in the future as I review other things. But here we've got a title that looks like no other anime out there and as such its visual style is sharply polarizing there's two reasons for this first reason is in the design work not just in its architecture the machines and the color scheme which is very bright neon Mm -hmm. kaleidoscope very extensive use of cg the other reason is in the character wardrobes the characters in gankutsuo they're largely comprised of fabulously wealthy nobles. So Mm -hmm. the production team hired Anna Sui to design the wardrobes for these really wealthy people in the future. Oh, wow. Yeah, Anna Sui is a very rich and famous New York designer of high fashion. She's worth something like $400 million. So the outfits worn by the majority of the cast of the show are very extravagant looking. And to further convey this, Gonzo decided to utilize a very... Experimental animation technique which could only be done via digital methods. In a nutshell, the outfits and the hairstyles are depicted using Photoshop texture layering. If you don't know what I'm talking about, they choose some sort of textile pattern and they define a character's particular piece of clothing, say jacket that they're wearing, as the Photoshop layer, such that the only thing that displays the textile pattern was the jacket. But if the character moves, let's say they raise their arm, the pattern doesn't move with them. Mm-hmm. The background pattern stays still. It's basically masking. Yeah, you just end up seeing a yeah. different part of the pattern. Masking is a better word for it. Sort of like if you cut out a paper stencil and put it on top of a background and move the paper mm-hmm. stencil around. Yeah, it's really that's interesting. Like The, the characters effect. become
1: sort of lenses through which you can see sort of this strange other space behind them. Right,
0: that's a good analogy. It's hard to think of a good example which people would know about Where something similar was used, though, note to self, I better review Mind Game at some point in the future. (laughs) But a somewhat similar effect can be seen in Ghost in the Shell, where the characters use the thermoptic camouflage to turn invisible, Mm. and that Mm they move, but you see a different part of the background. The thing is, in Gankutsuo, all the more extravagant articles of clothing, as well as people's hairstyles, do this. Each of them has their own...
4: Unique pattern. pattern. And yeah. it makes
0: for a pretty unique visual shorthand to show how the characters stand out from, say, regular house servants or police officers, and their clothes are just traditionally drawn like you'd see in any other anime.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The character designs themselves are also a bit more standard, with the exception of the Count himself. He's, as Dave and Joel over at Fast Karate for the Gentleman described, a blue vampire elf with Christmas eyes and the yes. infinite nebula of space in his hair. They were, however, wrong. About the reason for him being blue, but I can't blame them because they made the amateurish mistake of not watching the entire series and thus interpreting the context of a sentence he said incorrectly. Won't see me making that mistake because I'm Daryl Surratt and I'm hot shit. (laughs) I was watching Gon Kutsuo instead of lining up at midnight for the Wii launch because I've got my priorities in order and my priorities are doing this podcast. Though, interestingly enough, as a bit of trivia, I mentioned the trailer earlier. In the trailer for the series, which is included on the first DVD, the Count's skin is white instead of blue. Really? They changed it. It's sort of like a Star Blazers-Gamelon sort of decision, I guess. But as was sort of the case with Gonzo's Helsing TV series trailer, which they made before the show in order to get financing for mm. the series to be made, almost none of the footage from the Gonkutsuo trailer is in the actual show itself. Ah. Uh. What they did was they took snippets of the trailer footage, mm-hmm. then changed the color scheme on them, and used that to make the end credit sequence. And the end credit sequence is very elaborate. Most shows, the opening is what's really fancy and high energy, mm-hmm. and the end credits are as simple and more laid back. But it's the other way around for Gankutsuo. Yeah. All the stuff I just mentioned, that's really exactly what is so damn polarizing about the visual motif. A lot of people, because so many things are moving, they'll say, God damn, this is headache inducing, since so many different. Weird patterns in strange colors are all on screen at once, moving somewhat independently of one another, and it's hard to take in. Mm. For new listeners, though, my take on the visuals in anime is kind of the same across the board. The visuals in anime, production-wise, or style-wise, affects you for a little while, and then it becomes subconscious, such that you don't really notice it any more actively. This is why, to me anyway, it doesn't matter that movies like, say, The New Appleseed or Wonderful Days, a.k.a. Sky Blue, or whatever high-budget movie that's only got visuals and effects work going for it, those don't really work for me. Because sure, you spend a little while going, holy shit, look at this artwork. But that feeling quickly passes because your brain, it adjusts to processing that visual stimuli. And Mm -hmm. once you hit that point, it's second nature and you're able to pay attention to other things, like the actual story of what you're seeing. So with regards to the story that you're actually seeing in Gankutsuo, I said earlier there were differences between the anime and the book. So far I've only talked about the differences in setting. Really, that's not even a major difference between the anime Gankutsuo and the book The Count of Monte Cristo. There are two major differences. The first major change is that the anime story happens in medias race. For those who didn't pay attention in English class, that means it starts in the middle of the story and it has flashbacks and such to explain what happened prior to that point. That's a big difference from the book, because the original book, everything was just told in sequence. Uh Why is this that big a deal? Well, what ends up happening is that there's a discrepancy in knowledge among the viewers of the show who have even the simplest, basic idea of what The Count of Monte Cristo is about, and the characters in the show itself. We know things the others don't. I guess the term for that, to throw out more English class terminology, is dramatic irony. So, for the vast majority of this show, I'd say at least something like 17 episodes, is devoted to figuring out mysteries that originally were not mysteries at all. Things like, who is Edmond Dantes? So to give a spoiler-free description of The Count of Monte Cristo, that might actually possibly count as spoilers for Gankutsuo as a result. Strange as that may seem. The other major difference in the anime this is actually the single biggest change, even bigger than the change I just mentioned, is that the story is not told from the Count of Monte Cristo's perspective. Hmm. It's told from the perspective of Albert de Morcerf, who is a relatively minor character in the original book. The result is that most of the show focuses around Albert and his friends, who are also lesser characters in the book. In fact, there's one very minor character in the book, extremely minor, maybe was only in one chapter of this huge thing, that has a fairly major supporting role in the anime, a character named Peppo, or as it's spelled in the book, Beppo. Peppo is somewhat of an otaku audience conceit. He is essentially the series Bridget. <laughs> he's a young guy who looks and sounds exactly like a girl, but instead of wearing a non-outfit like Bridget, he's got a maid outfit. And he's... 100% gay, though it's pretty easy to make the joke that most of the rest of the cast <laughs> are gay too, due to the whole neoclassical Victorian-era high-fashion wardrobe choices and lots of scenes of guys being really playfully friendly with one another.
1: Yeah, I was about to say, it's more of the classical male romantic friendship and lots of guys embracing one another. Yes,
0: that precisely. That lends to that. At least Pepo's maid outfit is not one of those fetishized otaku deals. It doesn't no. even have the layering effect on it to show you how extravagant it is. I don't know why there's the name change between Peppo and Beppo, but there's another character named Haydee whose name is spelled differently from the book I've got. Maybe it's a romanization thing or the fact mm. that the thing I'm reading is in English and the book's originally in French. It's probably Might something be. minor like that. But the net effect of shifting the core emphasis over to these lesser characters is that we're no longer privy to what is going on inside the Count's head as he does the things he does. And among other things, his inner turmoil over the consequences of his actions that end up affecting people that may not have necessarily done anything to him, that was a key aspect of the original novel. Mm -hmm. And we don't get any of that in the series. So I can understand people not liking the show over changes like that. That's sort of like expecting to get Solid Snake, but instead you get Raiden watching Solid (laughs) Snake.
1: Yeah, the first change that you mentioned really stems from that second, because it's the same story, but it's seen from a completely different angle, from a completely different point of view. Right, because those minor characters don't even
0: show up until halfway through the book anyway. Right, and
1: so of course, yeah, those people have no idea of a lot of this stuff that we knew very well in the original novel. And I think it's kind of an interesting choice that they made to take a familiar story and show it from a completely new point of view. It kind of makes you see it in a new way. Yeah, it's not
0: necessarily word-for-word, scene-for-scene identical to the book. Mm. In fact, most of the actual scenes and words are totally different. But enough of the major events still happen that it definitely qualifies as an adaptation of The Count of Monte Cristo. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, there is a lot that's changed. Especially where the ending is concerned. Because the ending is totally different from what it originally was. Suffice it to say that some characters who originally died now live... And some characters originally lived now die. Mm. It's really hard for me to elaborate on that without spoiling things. Like you might be wondering, wait, how can it be a very faithful adaptation of the Count of Monte Cristo? The ending is totally different, but I can't really go into that without spoiling (laughs) a lot of stuff. All I can say is that I personally thought the story changes worked. And unlike practically every single other Gonzo show that I've seen, I think the narrative was quite strong throughout. And the ending was not their typical bullshit nonsense. Like, um. say, Helsing, the TV series for that. In fact, the second-to-last episode is actually the ending of the immediate story. And the final episode of the series is just nothing but epilogue. That's how decently they planned the show out. They didn't have to rush everything at the very end. They had an entire episode to just do epilogue, showing what became of everyone. Mm. And I think that's got to be where Kutsuo differs from most of the other Gonzo shows I've seen. It's consistent from beginning to end, both in production quality and in narrative the flip side of that statement is that if you don't like it at first i'm not sure if it's really going to grow on yeah the tagline at the end of every episode is bide your time and hold out hope as the dvd is translated every english language copy of the novel i've ever come across translates this as "wait and hope which are the final words of the book and they place emphasis on the fact that it's two words and that is what the fan subs used. Wait and hope. I don't know Japanese. Hey, maybe I should learn Japanese. <laughs> but the dialogue that they're speaking certainly sounds like it should be a lot more complex than just wait and hope. Yeah. I think what it is is that they're speaking very formally in this show. Because on mm. the subject of that, the show is very heavy on formal dialogue. Much like, say, The Rose of Versailles or Legend right. of Galactic Heroes or maybe Crest of the Stars or which I recently reviewed, The Twelve Kingdoms was another one that did that. Adult Swim was actually considering airing Gan They decided not to. Their reason being was because it was mostly drama and not enough action, too much talking. I don't know what they were expecting. I think maybe Adult Swim's goal in life might be to show all the anime with vampire-looking people in them. That's my only explanation as to why they chose motherfucking Trinity Blood to be on TV. God. I think maybe the partial birth abortions would be better than Trinity Blood, more more so than Noir. (laughs) But my point is that a lot of people might be bored to tears by Gankutsuo. Because it's a lot of dialogue, a lot of people talking mm-hmm. about things. And if you know the story of the Kanamaru They ran Ghost
1: in the Shell, though.
0: Yeah, Ghost in the Shell's got a lot of action scenes in it. At least one every episode. And they're shooting and yeah. people doing really cool martial True. arts and that sort of thing.
1: I mean, there's tons of talking, but yeah, I guess maybe it's a little more Right, There's there's
0: and... at least some sort of balance. Yeah. Gankutsuo, not so much. Yeah. Gankutsuo, there's maybe one or two... <laughs> Maybe three action scenes, two of which I'd say are very momentous because they Mm. stand out from the rest of things because of that, Right? because they're so few and far between. For shows like this, where there's a lot of dialogue, the quality of the English dub can make it or break it, as Crest of the Stars is living proof that dub is total shit, and Crest of the Stars, when they ran on tech TV, probably didn't have much of a following because dub is just so poor. The dub for Gankutsuo is by Bang Zoom. Same as Twelve Kingdoms, which was also very heavy on the dialogue. And as I've said in the past, I'm really not that keen on Bang Zoom dubs. I'll admit, though, all I really did was spot-check the dub in certain scenes in the final four episodes. I figured, oh, well, the voice acting quality is going to be best at the end of the show compared to the beginning because they'll be used to their roles. Let me just check these particularly dramatic scenes and see how those turned out. Mm. And overall, I'd say... The English dub is like pretty much every other dub that gets made nowadays. It's not horrible. It's not great either. I'd say some people sound just fine. Some people kind of suck.
1: Did they try to do French accents or anything? Or No, they did not, of... Okay, thankfully.
0: I'm not sure if I made the right call here. Maybe it might have been better for me to check the earlier episodes instead. It's possible that by the end of the series that I just had an imprint in my mind about how someone was supposed to sound. And Uh as such, maybe it's not a case of Johnny Young Bosch sounding too fake in that grown man trying to sound like a 15-year-old boy sense. Maybe I'm just used to hearing another grown man trying to sound like a 15-year-old boy instead (laughs) in the Japanese track. The Japanese track, admittedly, it has a lot of really good voice actors in it. I could spend a lot of time geeking out over Seiyuu, but I'll skip that and just throw in a link to the Anime News Network listening. One other interesting thing about the Japanese track, you were talking about French accents clarissa Mm. the opening narration for each episode is done in french it's not clear who the narrator is until the final few episodes of the series i had speculated a guess over at dave and joel's blog i was totally wrong Mm. so here we have a gonzo show that actually does not exhibit that gonzo syndrome of totally sucking after three episodes i don't know why the gonzo syndrome happens i think geek knights said it best when they said You watch the first few episodes and it seems intriguing to you because it's an interesting idea and you wonder how it is they're going to sustain that interesting premise for the next 13 episodes or 24 episodes or whatever. And the answer is that they can't. Mm -hmm. And that's why we always say maybe these would work better as OABs instead of full-length TV shows. But that is not the case for Gonkutsuo. Maybe the Gonzo syndrome only applies for action shows. But I don't know about that either. Really, I think it's a matter of plotting. In the case of Gonkutsuo, they're working off a well-established book. Mm -hmm. Source material that's tried and true. And adapting a story that someone else wrote. Maybe that's what Gonzo does best. Maybe that's why their cutscenes for video games were pretty cool. Because they didn't come up with Gundam or Macross or whatever. They're just... Doing the animation.
1: Hmm.
0: Not quite writing the story from scratch. Yeah,
2: well, that's, all they have to do is make it look good for two or three minutes. Right. Maybe they're that's good. the
0: trick, but now that I think about it, Trinity Blood was a manga first. I don't hmm. know. I guess we'll know for certain next year, because they do have a new show coming out called Romeo Cross Juliet, which is Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Oh, God, only yeah, that it's thing. It's in a fantasy setting where they're on some floating continent or something. I don't know what the deal with that show is going to be. The art style appears to be a lot more in keeping with typical shoujo. Maybe that visual element won't be quite as divisive as Gonkutsuo was. But then again, I never much cared for the original play. Romeo and Juliet kind of sucks. And I didn't really care for West Side Story either or any of the various adaptations of it.
1: I like West Side Story a little better than the actual original Romeo and Juliet, which is weird. I think Romeo and Juliet is my least favorite Shakespeare
2: they don't show you the right version. The right version is the one where Juliet kills herself by holding her breath. That's a real version.
0: Is that the old movie version? No, no, no. It this was wasn't ver- the Baz Luhrmann one, no, this, was it? This
2: was the version that was written before Shakespeare. Because Romeo and Juliet is an old, 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 old story.
0: Uh,
1: well, all of Shakespeare's plays, right? All of Shakespeare's either historical are adapted narratives from really or things that he ripped off from other people. And yeah, this was
2: the and this was another look. I'm just saying this was another yeah. version where she killed herself in a pretty good way
1: well when most people do romeo and juliet they're working off the shakespeare version not any other right version of the story so <sighs>
0: overall though i said this back in the review of hinotori said it in the review of new getter robo even though i didn't quite realize it at the time 2004 was actually a really good year for anime i list a whole bunch of shows that came out all of which were good but were largely ignored by the general fan base those ones i just mentioned planetess mm-hmm. <laughs> tons more I'm going to have to add Gonkuso to that list. I can't guarantee that people are going to like this show, but mm-hmm. I think with what I just said, I think I've provided people with enough information that maybe people can hopefully listen to what I just said and judge for themselves whether or not this is something they'd be interested in seeing. Whether I ever succeeded, that endeavors another story. But Hey, whatever, I'm trying to be Dave Merrill here. And even if you can never attain that level, <laughs> you should at least try for it, much like being objective. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got.
3: You'll see me coming Till I strike.
4: 3, 2, 1 Blast off Why Philip K. Dick hit the madness years? Come over to the Starship Sofa. You want to find out why it took us three episodes and drove us mad? Then you can also check it out.
0: Find out why Alfred Bester was the man who bridged the gap between
2: the Pulp Fiction and New Wave. And if you're ever interested in the top
0: female in science fiction, welcome aboard. If your cup of tea is science fiction classic films, we have them here. Dark Star, Capricorn One. And all cyberpunk enthusiasts out there, John Brummer was your leader. Come over and find out all about him on the Starship Sofa. We are the Pete and Dud of the science fiction world. Welcome to the Starship Sofa. I'd
4: just like to point out that we are not Anton Deck, we are not Pete and Dud, we're not Derek and Clive. That's just what people have sent to us in email. www.starshipsofa.com Shuttle set for watch. Airlock will be open in 3, 2, 1.
2: Okay. The last time that I looked at a manga to review, I was looking at Lady Snowblood, which is clearly something that is extremely classy and very highbrow. Absolutely. Absolutely. The story... <laughs> of a maybe lesbian assassin killing people by having lesbian sex with them is generally considered pretty highbrow work.
0: Very cerebral.
2: So I'm going to take a completely different path and try something a little bit more garish. The manga I'm going to look at is a sick, twisted, perverse, weird, uneasy, and pretty awesome little work called Voyeur and Voyeur's Inc. So it's
1: perfect for you, right?
2: Exactly. Uh, By Hideo Yamamoto.
0: Just to clear things up, it's two separate titles. One's called Voyeur and one's called Voyeur's
2: Inc. Right, I will get to that and explain why that is. Hideo Yamamoto was previously on the show when Clarissa reviewed Homunculus in episode 10. And Homunculus is his most recent manga, which is in Weekly Big Comic Spirits. Weekly Big Comic Spirits is kind of like the adult men's manga anthology. It was his more adult work. It ran in the same magazine as, like, Offered and Master Keaton and Crying Freeman.
0: That's a good fucking magazine.
2: Yep. <laughs> Voyeurs is being run in Weekly Young Sunday, which is for a somewhat younger audience. I'm guessing that it's around the same audience as, say, Business Jump, kind of that Gunham sort of audience, the Battle Angel audience, maybe. And it's coincidentally the same anthology that Itchy the Killer ran in which is Hideo Yamamoto's most well-known work. Mm -hmm. Now, Voyeur and Voyeur's Inc. is sort of a strange thing to look at, because it's basically the same sort of world, but released in two parts. Originally, there was the one-shot called Voyeur. It was just a one-shot manga, and then there was a spin-off with a different cast, but the same general principle called Voyeur's Incorporated. Voyeur itself is the story of Ko and Satomi. They're your normal, everyday college student couple. And it, the story starts with Ko sitting in a car with Satomi, lounging in the night by the harbor in a, like, a very, very popular makeout point.
0: And then the sea monster from Patlabor shows up.
2: Oh, oh, phone link. <laughs> now, Ko is having a hard time trying to figure out what he wants to do with himself after college. And Satomi is determined to become an English language interpreter. In fact, she's so determined to become an interpreter that all she can really talk about and think about is this. She actually starts the manga with talking to Ko about how she met this black man in the street, and she managed to tell him all these directions in English, and this made her really proud.
0: Sucky, sucky, five dollar. What, racism?
2: (laughs) Well, Ko sees his girl off, but he's certain that there's something wrong. He's pretty sure that someone is watching him and he manages to catch and clobber this guy who is watching pretty much everyone in this area using these high-tech night-vision goggles. By the way, high-tech for 1992. (laughs) This guy is a really thin, wirely, creepy, spindly, scrawny guy named Takuro.
0: Is he our hero? Is he drowning in sex?
2: (laughs) Oh Well, he's not exactly drowning in it personally. He's extremely... Creepy in that he spends pretty much all of his time watching people and listening to what they do when no one's watching. Basically, he hangs around this harbor area and just watches people have sex in their cars.
0: In other words, he's a voyeur.
2: Exactly. And he offers Ko to take a look through his high-tech goggles and see what he sees. Ko takes a look and he just sees a ton of people enjoying sex, and you know some people are hating sex, and for one second he thinks he sees Satomi. But Ko is a good man, he doesn't want to have anything to do with this, and tells Takuto to fuck off, and he just leaves him. Anyway, the next day, Satomi is talking about how, in order to become fluent, she's going to have to study abroad and take the interpreter exam. And Ko is in love with his girlfriend, he loves her, he supports her dreams and aspirations, so he's happy for her, and he's rooting for her, and Satomi's girlfriend, Kumiko, comes along and picks her up, and Ko sees them off. And during this entire time, you see this Takuro character finding out as much information as he can about Satomi and Co. He tries to find out where they live, he breaks into their cars, tries to find out what school he's going to, he tries to find out what Satomi wears, who they talk on the phone to, what they do in their spare time. Basically, everything and anything about them.
1: So he's a stalker.
2: Yeah. No,
0: he's shy, Clarissa. He's a
2: voyeur. <laughs> However, this experience that Ko had with Takaro in the parking lot sort of has taken a toll on him. He's now can't really stop thinking about this. This can be seen when he's at home and he's working out and he starts to hear these noises next door. Apparently, he is normally not caring what people do next door to him, but now he really wants to find out. And he hears these two people who are in the major throes of sex. They're just screaming and yelling and the girls saying, you know, come on my face and all this nonsense. And this kind of shakes Ko up. And then he steps outside, and he sees Kumiko, Satomi's girlfriend, leaving the apartment. And now this just sets off this thing going on in his head. And he gets suddenly frantic now about whether Satomi is now whatever she's up to. This sets off a whole series of issues, and he's starting to ask himself, what great lengths should he go to to spy on his girlfriend? He shouldn't spy on his girlfriend, he's saying. I mean, this is his girlfriend. It's based on trust. You need to be honest about this. And this volume, Voyeur, really asks the question a lot, about do you really want to know what your friends are doing and the people that you know are doing when you can't watch them.
0: It's a basically totally foreign concept to otaku. (laughs) Theoretical (laughs) only discussion. Purely academic.
2: Very academic, obviously. It's constantly talking about that the world is just lies. Everyone you talk to is always lying to you about everything. It's a manga that doesn't take itself super seriously, but there's this kind of undertone of serious creepiness to it from what I've seen with a lot of other Hideo Yamamoto's works. Apparently the creator, he described Voyeur as characterizing the spiritual crisis of the modern era and people's longing for security. And remember, this was written in 1992.
0: Was that before Ichi the Killer then?
2: This is before Ichi the Killer.
0: And also Homunculus? Was
2: well before Homunculus. Homunculus, I believe, is still going. He finished this up and then went to Ichi the Killer straight afterwards.
0: Oh, so how does this compare in terms of violence?
2: There is really no violence in it, but if you exchange kind of the violence of Itchy the Killer with sex, with kind of sexual perversity mm. instead of violent perversity, you've kind of got an idea.
0: How many Cleveland Steamers are there?
2: <laughs> I'll I'll get to that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Liar!
2: Right after Voyeur came out, Voyeurs Incorporated. Begs you to sing the song note.
0: Voyeurs Incorporated. Never heard of that song. <laughs> you just made that song up. <clears throat> the only song I know is We Fight for Love. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's sort of strange because Voyeurs Incorporated, like I said, features pretty much none of the original cast. It's a completely different idea. The main cast is made up of Ken, who started a business of watching and spying on people for a price. And he also totally ruined the sight in his one eye so badly from looking through spy and all that. So he has to wear this really thick contact lens, which discolors his one eye, and he says that he can see into people's minds, figuratively, of course. You could say that he's a private investigator, but that's not true. They're voyeurs. Another person on this team is a man named Cho, who is this really fat, pudgy guy who can't see at all, but he's got super hearing and super smell. So he, he's called the Human Dolphin.
0: <laughs> he's <Sorry>. Daredevil.
2: <laughs> and then there's another guy Fat named, Daredevil. Yes, Fat Daredevil. He's not blind, he's just, like, really can't see anything. And, um, that's kind of what, what blindness is. <laughs> like, he's not... He's I know what you mean.
3: But...
2: Blind, I guess. And then there's another guy named Smile, who is the voyeur in training. And they've got a dog named Husky. Anyway, basically they...
1: first they have to have a fuzzy mascot.
2: Any perverse, sick, and twisted show it's, must have a fuzzy it's mascot. A, it's a manga. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a manga.
1: <laughs> oh, that's right. Sorry, Ireland.
2: Their job, like the series with Ken and Takaro, is basically to be hired to watch people report on anything that they're doing. In fact, the manga starts with them spying on this high school student prostitute having a very intimate encounter with this very perverse man. Which is actually one of the more interesting parts of the manga because they're only listening to this and it's getting really, really hot and heavy. Then they are trying to get a look at these people to see what they look like, and that's what they see. And this is a good reason uh, hold to on, go it's to the but yeah.
0: This is a good
2: this is a good reason to go to the show notes because you really want to see this, this is picture. a very
0: important picture.
2: Very important picture. <laughs> This is the girl that was having real, real intimate sex, and so I know
0: someone who kind of looks like that.
2: <laughs> so go to the go to the show notes to see this picture. It's very important.
0: We found
3: love <laughs> somewhere, uh. <laughs> somehow.
2: Well, anyway, they
3: <laughs> someone.
2: No,
0: <sorry>. Oh, sorry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they are uh, hired very early on. By a father to watch his daughter Reika. And the father suspects that the daughter is not the genteel Japanese schoolgirl that he thinks she is. And I'm not going to spoil too much of it because this is sort of a lot that happens from this, but I will say that she's actually a pimp. And that's the first thing you find out about her. And a lot comes from that.
0: So they're basically private investigators like any other kind, as opposed to creepy psychopaths spying on people to learn information.
2: That's a really nice way of putting it. I really haven't gone into it, but I'm not really even scratching the surface, because this is a sick and twisted little puppy of a manga.
0: By virtue of what they're spying on? By virtue of the
2: people that they encounter.
0: How would you say it compares in perversity to Speedgrapher? Another very classy (laughs) show.
2: I would say that because it can go so much further with it, this is a much more perverse show.
1: Now, um, is it really only the other characters that are portrayed as like, sick, or is there any kind of acknowledgement of the creepiness of the main characters? You know, well, the, uh, I'll the voyeurs.
2: Post, I'll actually post another picture that really sums up the entire manga very, very well. And, I mean, it's not like a funny picture or anything, but it's something that
0: really... It's not like the important Lady Snowblood picture. Okay, yeah, this guy looks like Ippo.
2: In a way, yeah. <laughs> and what he says there, for those of you who aren't in front of your computers right now, he says, we're all fucked up. And that's basically the theme of this, is that everyone is fucked mm. up, to some degree.
0: No wonder each of the Killer got adapted by Takashi Mike. Yeah. We're all fucked up. And yeah.
2: you know, if I had to describe this manga in a word or two or few, I would say that it's extremely entertaining trash. It's one of those things that you read, and as you're reading it, you're just kind of wondering where it's going to go to and how much further it's going to go. This is absolutely not a manga that I would recommend to everyone. In fact...
0: Would would you say it's Gekiga?
2: Well, it's not made as Gekiga. It's made for young men. I see. I'd almost go as far as to say that this is a manga for no one, except for (laughs) those with a really, really twisted mood in them. It is really fucked up. If you're the type that likes to read something and isn't going to get readily offended, this is certainly an interesting read. One of the reasons that I was kind of doing this review is sort of a cry out to Viz to release more of it. And I say sort of, because this was serialized in Pulp Magazine. And Mm. for those of you who don't remember, Pulp Magazine was an anthology, a monthly anthology, that was released some years ago that was an attempt to have an adult anthology
0: in America.
1: Yeah. It's
0: basically the closest to an actual Japanese manga anthology. Is that how they explained it?
2: It was basically trying to be a manga anthology for 20-somethings and... 30-somethings.
0: I feel guilty for never having bought it because it had some cool articles in it from Patrick Macias and Carl yeah. Horn and yeah. Jan
2: Scott Frazier. And Banana Fish, I think, was in that. I
0: think I just didn't like the manga that ran in it, but did Strain, was that a pulp? Strain was in that. Okay, I bought Strain and graphic yeah. novels.
2: Very few people did. It Pulp died a... Sad Death, and Banana Fish,
0: and Dance Till Tomorrow, and some other things
2: like that. So they never
1: finished releasing all of Voyeur's Inc.?
2: Yeah, they released four volumes of it. By four, I mean Voyeur and three volumes of Voyeur's Inc., and they released about one a year from about 1999 to about 2002 or so. So how much is remaining? There's 11 volumes of Voyeur's Inc., so there's quite a lot of it to go. Are there scans of any of the I've never found any scans of it. I've never found anything more than these four volumes. And it's unfortunate, in my opinion, because I kind of understand why people might have not picked this up, because it's so just weird and twisted. There's a scene in it in which this one man, who is this big, sweaty, fat, smelly guy, like, just emphasize how bad this guy smells, he approaches this one woman and... He opens up his briefcase and he's got two big boxes of cockroaches in it. He pulls out one of these cockroaches and he drops it down this woman's shirt and he grabs her breast and he crushes the cockroach into her breast and mushes all of its guts all over her breast. Ew. And, then,
0: and then does he lick up the guts?
2: And then he, he takes one her? of these cockroaches and tries to stuff it into her mouth. I mean, scenes like that will probably creep people out. I'm sure it creeped Clarissa out. This is a guy by the way, that the only way that he can get off is by dumping cockroaches on girls. (laughs)
1: That's good.
2: This is, like I said, Oh, Japan. Oh, it's, like I said, it's not really even scratching the surface of this.
0: I think there might be a bigger audience for that stuff now because, like you said, with Ichi the Killer and Audition and Mm. all those ridiculous movies like Fudo and Especially like how Patrick was saying in the interview, there's a whole generation that went from Pokemon straight to Battle Royale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think now in the modern climate of people who are reading manga and that sort of thing, it seems like the kind of thing that people would totally go for. It kind of sounds weird that it didn't really do too well here. I presume yeah. that's the case if their release was so slow and they didn't finish it.
2: Yeah, it was one of those stupid releases where, I mean, we were all familiar with these releases where it was one volume a year, if that.
0: Yeah, Dark Horse would do that a lot, and I believe Maze Koku was sort of like that. Yeah, That was a Viz release. The manga
2: environment in 2001, when this was being released, is very different from the manga Uh. environment today. So I'd like to believe that people are ready for something as just twisted and perverse as this. I mean, this is probably the rawest, most perverse thing that Viz has ever released, because there is lots of pretty strange sex in it, it's not done pornographically. It's done in kind of a Ryoichi Ikagami style. So it's really not porn, but it certainly doesn't leave anything to the imagination in terms of what is being done.
0: Giant black Borat bars.
2: Yeah, I like that. Like I said, this is not something that I would recommend everyone picking up. I love reading some of these weird and twisted things sometimes.
0: How much did you identify with Takaro? <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that
2: I've ever ever wanted to do anything like that. Of course.
1: <laughs> yeah, of course not.
2: <laughs> anyway, as usual, if anything that I described was something that might be interesting to you, you can find these things relatively easily. They, believe it or not, I believe they're still all in print. It's actually a very quick read, but these are the old-fashioned sorts of releases where it was... One volume, and this volume is flipped, and I believe that I paid around $16, 15 for these things when they were being released. Perhaps you can find them a lot cheaper. They are very quick reads. You can read through them in half an hour at least per volume. Like I said, if something that is really twisted and out there is to your liking, give this one a shot. I mean, if you happen to read Ichi the Killer or watched Ichi the Killer, think of that, but trade every bit of violence with every bit of really perverse sex. That might be a good description of it.
3: Ah! <laughs>
1: studios that everybody who's an anime fan and a lot of people who aren't really anime fans know about is studio ghibli mostly through the work of director hayao miyazaki and movies like princess mononoke and Nausicaa and
0: spirited away all that stuff which we've all avoided talking about for over 40 episodes now on the grounds that we figured people knew about them
1: yeah And Studio Ghibli consistently turns out some of the best movies in animation, period, I think. But there's another director that makes up Studio Ghibli, and that is Isao Takahata. Now, a lot of people don't necessarily remember this guy as much as they remember Miyazaki, but he's done some other pretty notable Ghibli films like Grave of the Fireflies. He did My Neighbor the Amadas. Uh, yeah. He did Pompoko. He did this movie, which is Omoide Poroporo, or the English title is Only Yesterday.
0: Omoide Poroporo, what's that translate to? Like Memories in Raindrops or something like that? I can't remember.
1: It's something like that. Poro Poro is enlarged drops, or... Memories like
0: like falling raindrops. That's what Wikipedia says.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much the closest translation I would say as well. But yeah, the English title, they altered it into... Much
0: like Spirited Away.
1: Yes, and altered it into Only Yesterday. Which works, I think. They both have to do with memories, and that's really the central focus of this movie is Memories. This movie actually reminds me a decent bit of one of Miyazaki's Ghibli films, which is Porco Rosso, in the sense that both of these films are about the past, and they're about nostalgia. memories, nostalgia, that the events of earlier in your life are still hanging with you, although in you know sort of different ways fashions. And of course, uh, Porco Rosso is a little bit more of a fantastic movie being about a guy that gets turned into a, a pig. And *Omoy de Poro Poro is much more sort of down to earth and standard. But I think there's a certain amount of similarity there. I, I kind of felt similar in some ways while watching this as I did when watching Porco Rosso.
0: An interesting thing about Isao Takahata, you mentioned how people don't really remember him as being the other guy from Studio Ghibli. A lot of people say, oh, it's because his movies aren't as good. My Neighbors the Yamadas, Pompoco, mm. all that. I think, I think I'm the
1: only person I know who likes Pompoco. I like
0: Pompoco, but the thing oh, is...
1: okay,
0: good. The thing about Miyazaki is that his movies have appeal to kids and his movies have appeal to adults. Mm. Isao Takahata, his movies kind of appeal first and foremost to to adults m- adults, and specifically mm. middle-aged adults mm-hmm. and on top of that it's animation yeah so a lot of the anime fans here probably don't really appreciate his stuff quite as much as mm. older audiences would and i would say that this movie almighty poro poro is absolutely 100 percent a movie for middle-aged
1: Yeah, I can definitely see that, and I think maybe that's one of the reasons why I I was reminded so much of Porco Rosso, because I think out of Miyazaki's movies, Porco Rosso is probably the one that is most sort of geared towards adults and probably not quite as accessible emotionally to a younger audience. Yeah,
2: that was his love letter to middle-aged men.
1: Yeah, so that makes sense, and I think you're right about that with Takahata. I hadn't really thought of it before, but yeah, definitely... Now, this movie is very much a, I guess you could say, oh no, slice of life. It's about a young woman, Taeko, who is, I think she's about 27 at the time that this movie happens, and she's an office lady in Tokyo, and she takes a trip to visit her sister's husband's family that live out in the country, And she's going to go out and visit to see the countryside and to work on their farm. And as she prepares for this trip and goes on this trip, she starts to remember when she was in fifth grade, when she was 10 years old. And she starts to remember all kinds of things about that particular year in her childhood.
0: I actually thought she was a lot older than 27, because they made it seem like she was an old woman, but then I remembered, if you're Japanese and you're 27 and you aren't married yet, you're considered an old maid.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, she's not actually middle-aged, but they do make it seem like it. So yes, she spends a lot of time reminiscing about this year. This movie is spent probably mostly, at least half, in flashback.
0: It's just a series of somewhat unrelated Vignettes. memories that she has yeah. of her childhood. Kind of, it's one of those things. Like I said, middle-aged people would mm-hmm. identify with it. They just there are certain things that you remember from your childhood, and you aren't quite sure why you remember that. You're yeah, thinking, huh? Why is this important to me? that I remembered this and don't really remember other things. And that's kind of what she contends with in this movie.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's, as she goes on this trip or as she talks to certain people, somebody will mention something that'll make her think of something from her childhood. Sometimes she thinks of things seemingly randomly, and sometimes it'll be triggered by somebody saying something in particular to her, or a conversation that she's having or something that she sees. And so we get to see her as a child, and we see her now as an adult. You get sort of an interesting character development through it, in that unlike a lot of shows where you see the character from the beginning, and then the character undergoes this journey over the course of the thing, and then by the end, they've grown. By putting us back and forth between the child Taiko and the adult Taiko, we sort of eventually get the net some of her character growth. It's a little, it's almost stream of consciousness in a way because it's so internal that everything really is about her memories and her coming to terms with certain things and reevaluating her life because, since this trip brings up so many memories, and she starts to have certain feelings about herself, and you know, she starts to think about, well, you know, what did I want when I was a kid, and where am I now, and what do I want to do with myself, and am I really walking down the right road in my life? Should I reevaluate and change my path? And, and, and don't so worry, and it's so not forth. quite
0: a Zach Braff movie.
1: No, no. Because it's... I
0: hated Garden State. And I like this movie.
1: <laughs> it really does everything in a fairly low-key manner. It's not really philosophical pontificating. It's very much a kind of down-to-earth, relaxed reminiscence, and it it doesn't really try to be exceptionally deep, or at least it doesn't beat you over the head with "We're really deep. Pay attention." You know, it's it's very relaxing. I think some people might find it dull, because there's not a huge amount of action, and it is, it does have a very kind of mellow feel to it. But I really enjoyed it, personally. There are some kind of surrealist elements. As her trip to the countryside goes on, occasionally her memories and her current state Sort of overlap a little more that you start to get things like the child Taiko will run down the hall, and so they'll be sort of physically appear near one another, but it's not really a surrealist piece. You know, they don't really interact consciously.
0: It doesn't quite hit the Satoshi Khan level of the time being out of whack, and you're not right. sure whether it's a flashback or whether it's happening in here and now or any of that sort of thing. It's much more straightforward.
1: Right, yeah. It's not like Millennium Actress, which was really, really full of that.
0: A perfect blue.
1: Yeah, it's not really to that extent. Really, the elements of that are fairly mild and really only come a, a few times. There are a couple other things where they'll do some little more surrealistic things to express, say, the... Emotional state of Taiko as a child that she'll have kind of these fantasies, or like there's one sequence where she just had a conversation with a boy that she kind of liked and who kind of liked her. And after they talk, she runs down the street to go back to her house and she runs up off the street up into the sky. And you see her, you know, flying against this colorful background and then she eventually floats down to her bed. I think that. The movie just looks beautiful. I I don't know if I've ever seen a Ghibli movie that doesn't just look amazing. And this one, of course, is no different. The flashback scenes and the current scenes are differentiated, I think, in a a fairly subtle but effective way, in that the backgrounds in the flashback scenes seem gentler somehow. Like, they seem a little faded, and they almost look like light watercolors sometimes, Whereas when she reaches the countryside in her present day trip, it's very, very vibrant, really bright greens and blues and yellows and such. It's not enough to be distracting. I think it's just enough to kind of quietly reinforce the difference between the flashbacks and the present day narrative. It's kind of hard to talk about this movie. It's it's a really good movie. I really enjoyed it, but I feel like it doesn't necessarily describe extraordinarily well because it's such an internal film. So it's sometimes hard to really vocalize exactly what it is about this movie that makes it so enjoyable. You know, a summation of the plot really doesn't communicate very much because there's actually not all that much to it when you sit down to look at it, is that, you know, she goes to the countryside, and she remembers all these things. It's really the atmosphere, the experience of watching these people, and the fact that you can sympathize with her, empathize with her, in that you also can think back to your childhood, and you understand, maybe some of what she's feeling in her hesitancy, that she's kind of wondering if her life is really going the way she wants it to go, and that she feels so nostalgic for these things that happen to her. And
0: and it's kind of... I can understand why people would think it's kind of tricky, because the other thing about Takahata that we were saying, it's not just that it's for middle-aged people, but it's kind of specifically middle-aged Japanese people. Mm-hmm. And so... <laughs> The emotional connection is much harder to make because we're not the intended audience for this film. We don't really have that experience that seems to be like Taiko's childhood. You can sort of look at it and tell, Mm -hmm. wow, this is probably the childhood that a lot of people had in Japan in that society. I mean, there's stories about... Her dad just, you know, always comes home and always lights up a cigarette and reads the, the newspaper the paper and, and they made fun of that in her seatser. Oh, but the way it's handled here, it's like this is a obviously a very real thing a lot of people could identify with. Yeah, and Her sister, the fact that she'd always get a hand-me-down clothes or am I thinking of the right movie? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah I am. It's Things like that, a lot of which are very cultural Mm -hmm. we aren't really necessarily going to connect with that watching it now so it's kind of weird to describe exactly how the movie works it's certainly a very interesting character piece yeah
1: i think it's I'm probable that this movie didn't work as well for me as it would for somebody of the age group and the culture that it's meant for. You know, Taiko, the childhood that she flashes back to, of course, is in the 60s. And, you know, I don't know what it's like to grow up in the 60s. I don't know what it's like especially to grow up in Japan in the 60s. There are certain things that are somewhat universal that I think I was still able to connect to. And sort of the general feeling of nostalgia, I think you can connect with. But in but some Some of the more ways, specific
0: things, like doing the radio morning exercises, which yeah. is obviously <laughs> something people used to do, but when Chio did it in Azumanga Dayo, it's clearly a ridiculous joke. That like, What are you <laughs> doing? Nobody does this anymore. But yeah. lots of little things like that are what comprise this movie.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's something that not everybody is going to like, Some people are gonna think that it's boring because it is fairly slow and it's very mellow. It's lots of people talking and lots of people thinking about things and it's all done in this very relaxed sort of atmosphere. So some people are gonna be bored by it. Some people who may not be of the right age group or the fact that they're not Japanese are gonna have more trouble connecting with it. But I think that technically it's an extraordinarily well done movie. You know, I think it's probably one of the best Ghibli films. You know, Takahata doesn't really get as much attention as Miyazaki, but I think that this movie really shows that he's capable of doing amazing work.
0: Yeah, I first saw this back when I was, say, 16 or 15 or something. I'd gotten a VHS fan sub of it. It was done by a group. They actually called themselves the Poro Poro Project. It was a bunch of people who got together specifically to fan sub this movie. <laughs> Fortunately, Enrique, Unfortunately, Enrique Conti is the only person whose name I can remember as having worked on that fan sub. But a lot of people did work on this thing and it was a really good job Mm -hmm. that they did on it and I remember when I watched it even back then it was just kind of in the back of my mind this is my favorite Ghibli movie even when for my age but Mm. I don't know maybe I'm just a bizarre kid (laughs) but I haven't rewatched the movie in a very long time I have the DVD now I kind of have no excuse but it's sort (laughs) of like I've had the VHS tape for years. Yeah. And I could have conceivably rewatched it at any time. It's just one of those things where it's hard for me to rewatch movies unless I show them to somebody. And this is a very strong case of that. It's not really the kind of thing where you sit down and go, you know what? I'm going to rewatch Omade oh Poro Poro right yeah. now. Do you think
2: that this is one of the reasons why this was never released by Disney? I think that's
0: definitely a reason. I think the yeah. fact that it's so cultural is a reason. There is some content in it, like an extended sequence. One of her flashbacks to childhood is one of the girls in class gets her period and all the boys find out. Oh, They all yeah. start just giving the girls shit about it and you can sort of relate to that idea from that perspective but disney obviously it's like we're not gonna release this (laughs) movie where kids are teasing girls about About having their their period periods don't exist in our movies Yeah. And it's the only movie that they... There's no dub on this DVD that Eeper sent us. And when Turner Classic Movies aired it, the only time we ever got it in North America, the way I knew it was done, was because all the way back in January when they were doing their Miyazaki, or rather their Studio Ghibli Appreciation Month, Mm -hmm. they ran this movie subtitled on the station. Yeah. And for the rest of the movies, they aired... The dub as well as the sub, but they aired this sub only, and the reason is because no dub of this movie was ever made, and I think that's the only Ghibli movie where that's the case. It might just be because it's so darn Japanese, but we said the same thing about Pompoko. Oh, that's never going to come out? Yeah. Because this movie's way too Japanese and right. way too cultural, but that came out. Yeah, from what you say, it seems like Pompoko is a, still a longer shot than this movie, isn't it, that? I yeah. think Pompoko really is the longer shot. It
1: definitely is.
0: Yeah. But only yesterday, it's just—it's really one of those things where kids don't even stand a chance of watching it. With Pom Poco, there's at least talking animals, and maybe yeah. the kids can watch it and not really get the whole social commentary, environmentalism message in there. Right. This is kind of none of that. Sure, there's lots of flashbacks to kids doing stuff, but it's not really kids doing super exciting stuff. It's just regular childhood sorts Mm -hmm. of things, and I can see how they would think, oh, people are getting bored by it. I've heard that it's a movie that people are requesting Disney to release, but for all the good that does, I mean, how many years have people wanted Song of the South?
2: (laughs) Disney is never going, Disney does not listen to the people who request anything from it.
3: Right, but apparently
0: you can import this movie. Like we said, there's a region two, and the European region two. Right. Yeah, European region... Well, is yeah. there a difference as far as... Well, region two in Japan.
1: Japan is region two Oh, right, as well, but so... as
0: far as players go, I guess the only difference right. would be... Was this movie in PAL? Yes. Or? Must yes. So,
2: yeah, in order to play this, you would have to have, you know, either a DVD player that can manage PAL and a TV mm-hmm. that can manage PAL or play it on your uh, computer. computer because computer monitors can right. take any input. I think some DVD players player. can,
1: like, convert, but...
2: Yeah, my DVD player can, but I've got a weird yeah. DVD player, so... Yeah. good...
0: so i'm sure there are certainly fan subs of this movie available like i said i had a vhs one i don't know what the status of the quality of a fan sub like digitally wise would be i don't think it's the kind of movie people would capture when there's dvds existing right at the same time you wouldn't want to get the hong kong rip you wouldn't want to watch this movie with hong kong subtitles because like clarissa said it's so heavy on the dialogue that it's very important that you know exactly what's being said yeah
1: definitely I think one of the other things that I liked about this movie, but that other people might not like, that it's going to be very, I think, love it or hate it, is uh, it's very, very real. I mentioned that in contrasting with Porco Rosso, even though there are some similarities, that Porco Rosso, like many of Miyazaki's movies, had some fantasy elements. Miyazaki tends to do a lot of that, I think, that usually there's some kind of, some kind of magical thing that occur somehow. You know, in Pokoroso, it's the guy gets turned into a pig and spirited away. It's, you know, the existence the parents of parents gets turned whole, into pigs. Yeah, and the existence of this whole other realm that she gets trapped in, and so on and so forth. But this movie, and I think some of Takahata's other things, really, there's none of that. I mean, there's the kind of surrealistic elements sometimes in her memories, you know, and the visual representations that she talks about that, because she's remembering so much of this, she talks about that she didn't realize that she'd be taking her 10-year-old self along with her on this trip. And they do, like I said, sometimes visually represent that very literally, and that you will see the little girl version of her and a lot of the other kids that she knew at that age.
2: Like uh, Grave of the Fireflies. they with her.
1: Yeah, but that's really as fantastic as it gets. And everything just feels very, very grounded and very calm, and not overly dramatic, not fantastic at all.
0: I think that might have been what drew me so much to this movie when I first saw it. The fact that it was so grounded and very realistic, and the fact that it was definitely a film, Mm -hmm. as opposed to, like, say, an anime or a cartoon, it seemed like the kind of thing... Where it's like, wow, I'm watching this and this is this qualifies as being like a good movie mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like in that early years of watching anime sort of thing, you'd say, Oh, this is good, but if I showed it to someone they'd say, Oh, it's cool for anime but right. It may not be cool as a movie, but this is kind of straight up a film, such that some people might pessimistically say, Oh, why not just make this a live action movie? There's no right. reason for it to be animated. Right. And at that point, you start playing the card of, Well, it's much easier to depict the time period yeah. and do some of these other minor effects, like show the flashback in the <laughs> sort of muted old photograph sort of way, than it would be to do in live action.
2: The argument that I've always heard and that always came up with uh, Grave of the Fireflies was that you're not. Concentrating on the performance of the actors, who's right? Animated,
1: yeah, I guess to a certain extent there is that element. I mean, you still have the the voice performances, but, it's, but
2: most most people don't recognize a bad. It sort of disarms voice.
0: people right. to see it in animation form, yeah. I guess
1: yeah I mean, in terms of like the realism, there's a romance in this movie, but just like everything else, it's very understated, it feels very natural. It's not some melodramatic love affair like you would usually see. yeah, it's in not an like the tapped in ninety
0: minute love story subplot
1: no, you know it just it just feels very solid and and natural, and yeah, some people are gonna like this movie a lot. Some people are not going to like this movie at all, just because of the atmosphere and how realistic it is that some people are going to find it boring. I'd say that for people sometimes who ask about what should I show people who don't really like anime or who don't get why I like anime, you know, what can I show them? If they're the type of person that wouldn't be turned off by the pacing and the atmosphere and everything in this? I'd say this is definitely something that you should show them, because it really is, like Daryl said, it's just an exceptional piece of cinema, regardless of animated or or live action or any kind of distinctions like that. It's just beautiful.
0: At The Signal, it will be the 1st of January, 2007, in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Wait a minute. It isn't the year nineteen hundred. Oh that's it, I'm going back to Linux. Eper's Choice Now, after six years of intensive work, is now Y2K compliant with many thanks to the helpful debugging staff at Microsoft. Eper's Choice For anime and manga discussions and reviews, check me out at Eper'sChoice.podomatic.com or look for me in the iTunes directory. Eber's choice. Not just an anime freak, but setting the standard as well. That concludes yet another episode of Anime World Order. Check out our website at www.animeworldorder.com for full show notes and supplemental links on this episode and stuff on our previous episodes. Check out that picture of the girl from uh, Voyeur. It's a very important picture, let me tell you right now, folks. Yes.
2: Now, it seems like the theme this week was stuff that's definitely not
0: for everybody. Yeah, that's kind of the yeah. theme for the rest of this podcast as a whole, but this Pretty week much. in particular is yeah. take it or leave it, Yeah, the episode. So on that note, send us emails telling us whether you took it or left it at maworldorder <laughs> at gmail.com. You can also leave us comments on the blog. We read all those. And in addition to that, you can leave us voicemail on our voicemail system. That's kind of not really had too much use as of late. I suspect the reason is that we haven't been playing very many voicemails, but Mm -hmm. it's cyclical. We can't play them if we don't get them. Yeah. So give us a call at 206-666-4AWO. That's 206-666-4296. Also, you can leave us MP3 feedback. You can record us an MP3 attached to an email. Or you just plug your microphone in to your computer, click on Send Us an Audio, which is a button located on our website. It'll pop up a window. You can record MP3 feedback that way.
2: Yes, use that phone number. First person to do that will post a picture of Clarissa's double D's. The
0: skimpy clothes. <laughs> an artist rendition thereof, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> so, next week... We talked about how we had the Funimation giveaway. They'd given us three discs to give away, which we did last episode. We also got some discs to review. So, I am going to be reviewing Full Metal Alchemist, the movie, The Conqueror of Shambhala, the special edition of that. Advance warning, I am going to have to give some spoilers for the Full Metal Alchemist TV series to do this, because this movie is not like one of those Dragon Ball Z movies or those One Piece movies where the continuity is separate. This happens directly after the events of the TV show, but I'm banking on the fact that Full Metal Alchemist is like the biggest, most popular show among this generation of fandom, that I'm probably not going to be spoiling things for too many people by doing
2: And I guess I'm going to be... Uh, no, you have to go look- last,
0: Gerald, because <laughs> oh, yes. it's the most <laughs> severe thing.
1: <laughs> I'm going to be reviewing the first disc of Full Metal Panic, the second raid.
0: Just the first disc, or do you want to do the whole show?
1: I'll probably talk about the... Show overall, since I have actually watched the whole thing, but I'll probably focus on the first disc. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see.
2: I'm going to be taking a look at the first disc of Moon Phase. <laughs> or as I believe it was called in Japan, Tsukiyomi Moon Phase. I have had a previous experience with this show. I watched two or three episodes of this raw at a club run by actual furries
0: no no no. let's let's look at the episode titles (laughs) just to let everybody know all right (laughs) episode one big brother be my slave oh shit episode two call me mistress (laughs) episode three big brother let's live together episode four big brother i feel like kissing and so on and so forth i'm sure by episode 13 it's big brother i want to do anal to mouth (laughs)
2: You realize that Funimation is not going to send us any discs after that review that I'm going to make. It. Well,
0: A- A- we gotta I'm call not... it like we see it. That's, yes, we, we do. We can't just throw away our ideals and integrity for the sake of being on the gravy train. Otherwise, we'd be Peter Travers from Rolling Stone. Yeah, we're going Fuck to. Fuck that I'm just guy. Gonna,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to review what I see,
0: as we all shall. Anyway, yeah. that's going to do it for us this week hope some people liked at least some of the things we reviewed can't like everything all the time can't (laughs) like nothing all the time unless maybe you're noah from the ninja consultants (laughs) but hopefully you'll like some of the things some of the time until next week
2: Really need potatoes?